Well, this podcast is going to be about all of the unusual, wacky, interesting, hopefully funny uh, things that have happened to me, or some of the things that have happened to me while traveling with the Aggies football and basketball teams. They have a variety of uh, flavors. I guess I'll start with going back to my first year. Uh, That would have been 1976-77 basketball season. Uh, My first trip with the Aggies was a football trip in uh, September of 1976. We flew to Des Moines, Iowa to play Drake. It was pretty exciting. Uh, I'd flown on a plane before, but I'd never been on a charter flight before. And, uh, of course, to just to broadcast my first game for Division One school, that the Aggies won in exciting fashion. Jim Bradley was the head coach back then. The Aggies came, they were down 29-16 and won 30-29 uh, there in Des Moines. A lot of fun. Uh, that first year, uh, as far as basketball travel, for several of the lo- uh, closer trips, uh, we would charter a DC-3. Now, a DC-3 is a plane that was popular in the 40s and 50s. Uh, it's a... Type of a plane. I'm not an aeronautics guy, and if you are, forgive me uh, because this description won't do it justice. But the plane uh, does not sit flat. Uh, the nose is up higher, and the the uh, the uh, the back of it is lower. In other words, as opposed to current planes where you know, they're all at one level. Well, we would get in the back, and the plane would be at an angle. Of course, it would it flew fine. Um, we would fly to uh, Amarillo. We flew to uh, uh, Abilene for Hardin Simmons. We flew to Portales. Aggies had a game at Eastern that year. We also flew to uh, Wichita State and uh, Tulsa, I believe. The trips that were relatively close, uh, it didn't fly us there faster, but of course it was convenient to go on this DC-3. They had a, there was a stewardess, and she would put out a card table because Ken Hayes, the the head coach at the time for the men's team, loved to play uh, hearts, or was it spades? It was one or the other anyway, uh, but he loved to play it, and so we had to play uh, we didn't have to, but it was fun to play past the time with he. He and Greg Barry were always on opposite teams. Greg was an assistant coach back then, and they would be, you talk about it wasn't really trash talk because both men were very Christian in their beliefs, but they would uh, try to rattle each other with various uh, jabs and uh, little quips throughout the game. And uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun, especially when uh, Ken Hayes' uh, partner from Oklahoma, Keith Colson, who was the athletic director, Ken was from Bragg's, Oklahoma. Keith was from Ringling, Oklahoma. Very small towns there in the uh, the Sooner State. They would team up against Greg and me, or me and someone. Uh, and of course, then the uh, then the uh, the stuff would really flow, so to speak, during the game. Uh, the DC three was uh, fine. Um, it, those trips ended uh, the following year when Evansville died uh, their their team, and everyone died in the DC DC three crash. Uh, we never had any problems with it. Uh, my mother uh, was uh, very worried every time I traveled. She would, I think, worry if I had to drive across town. But my father tried to reassure her by saying, not to worry, Helen, a DC-3 doesn't fly high enough to crash. Not sure that really put her mind at ease, but nonetheless, we didn't have any problems happily. Another interesting thing that happened uh, my first year doing the Aggie games was uh, we got snowed in in Peoria, or actually snowed out. The Aggies were going up to uh, Peoria, Illinois, to play Bradley University, a game that would have historic significance a little later on. But there was a huge snowstorm in central Illinois, which was not unusual in January. And when we got to the airport, Jumer's Castle Lodge, uh, we found out that there were, well, there were no rooms because people who were stayed in the hotel hadn't left. Now, the hotel had a real problem because they had, they couldn't, you can't evict people, at least you couldn't then in Illinois. And they had to put us someplace, so players doubled and tripled up 
coaches shared the same room. And uh, since I was sort of, uh, well, not an extra, but I had to pay my own way. I wasn't on the, the team's tab at that time. They put me in the room where the staff would go to change their uniforms uh, to go to work. So two or three times a night, I would be awakened by someone coming in, not expecting to see someone sleeping in there. They would, they were nice. They kind of did their change clothes as quickly as they could and went on. So I didn't get much sleep that night. But as it turns out, the events of the game would far overshadow that. Uh, the game itself was uh, historic as the Aggies came from behind for the largest margin at the start of a game to win. NMSU fell behind 28 to nothing to Bradley, only to win 107 to 109. The events of that game, including a play by play tape of the game, went to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm not sure if the Aggies still have the biggest come from behind margin at the beginning, but at the time it was something. Also, kind of got us over the fact that uh, we had to sleep in disjointed situations. After that game, though, the, the hotel went back to normal. A couple other things that uh, occurred that, uh, well, were uh, kind of different. Neil McCarthy uh, was the head coach, of course, for the Aggies during the late 80s uh, through the 90s. And Neil was someone who um, was very um, confident. He uh, was confident that uh, if the plane was getting ready to depart, uh, that the staff or someone would hold the plane for him. Well, this uh, this led Neil into trouble a couple times. Remember one time the Aggies were playing in Southern California uh, against Cal Irvine or Fullerton or someone, and uh, I would fly back differently from the team because I had some friends out in Southern California, Larry Earhart and Catherine Sales, who uh, were from Las Cruces, moved out there. They would come to the games with me, and then I would stay with them. And Anyway, we'd... He would pal around after the game, and I would come back on my own on Sunday. So I'm flying back. The American West Airlines was in existence then. They had really convenient flights for the West Coast, so I was flying back. I stop in Phoenix for the connection, and as I get off the plane, who's there waiting? Coach McCarthy with none of the team members, staff, or anything else. I was a bit surprised, but I thought, well, best not to ask because he looked perturbed. I get back to town and find out the next day that Neil was watching a game in the bar having a cigarette. Neil liked to smoke. Uh, Jeff Reap, the assistant, came to, to get him and said, Coach, they're boarding the plane. Neil wanted to see the end of the game, and he said, Hang on, they won't, they won't leave the big dog, said Neil, referring to himself. So Coach Reap went back. I'm sure someone at the airline uh, said, Look, either he's on the plane or he's not going. One frantic asked, uh, request to the coach got waved off, and the plane left without him. So Neil and I rode back to uh, El Paso on that America West flight, uh, although Neil didn't have much to say at that. He got left another time when we were on the road. This was at the Big West Tournament in Las Vegas. and I'm not exactly sure how he got uh, left behind this time, but again, Larry and Catherine were up there at the Vegas Tournament, and the broadcast was done. Uh, the postgame stuff was done. We were ready to go back to the hotel. Well, here's Neil and uh, a couple other fans who got left off the team bus for some reason. Actually, I'm not sure we had a team bus then. Uh, we used to travel. Uh, well, now we travel with the bus. It's it's very convenient. But then uh, you would get rental cars, and uh, two or three coaches uh, would drive rental cars, and players would sort of uh, get in the, the in with each other, and uh, there would be one staff rental car because the players never wanted to ride with the head coach. I think that's still true today, but nonetheless, they have to on the bus. Anyway, the cars had left coach behind there at the uh, Thomas and Mack Center, so... Larry, Catherine, myself, Coach McCarthy, Jeff Reap, and another fan, David Oakley, all piled into the, uh, Larry's Jeep, and we rode back in silence, uh, I think, again. 
And no one wanted to say too much to Neil because, uh, as I said, he wasn't always in a real good mood when things like that happened. Football trips, although they were fewer in number, and uh, so that meant the potential was less for weirdo things happen, but there were a couple. We uh, Bob Sherman and I did the games through, uh, from uh, like eight, 1986 through uh, early 2000, and the Aggies used to play University of Pacific in Stockton. Stockton, California is a town that, if you've, you've got it on your bucket list, put it way at the bottom. Uh, Pacific played in this old wooden stadium. Uh, they've dropped football now, but they were in the Big West then, and uh, you'd always get splinters in your hands from uh, the, the the wood in there, and Aggies always had a hard time winning there. Well, uh, this particular game was set for a 1, one or 2 o'clock start in the afternoon in California. Bob and I would fly out the morning of the game, which I didn't really like, but that was uh, the only way we could do it based on the budget provided by KASK Radio at the time. We were on CASK, a signal that is uh, long gone. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they uh, like to uh, to economize, and so we would fly out the day of the game, got to, to, to Stockton with plenty of time, but saw no one there. I immediately panicked, thinking somehow I'd had the game time wrong or some other disaster. There were no cell phones then for anyone to, to call and tell you that you know there had been a, a major disaster. Well, as we get to the game, we see no one there, uh, but a man, uh, sort of uh, the uh, the parking lot attendant, said the game had been postponed for three hours because of torrential rains. They were pumping out the water standing in the stadium. So that was a relief. Bob and I uh, went to the hotel and waited out uh, the uh, game time, but that was a panic thing that uh, I got over. After that game, uh, Bob and I drove back to Oakland to stay, and we wound up going to the, uh, the closed-circuit uh, broadcast of the Riddick Bow. Evander Holyfield fight number two. If you're a boxing fan, this is the one where the guy uh, parachuted into the game uh, with a little uh, mini parachute uh, called Parachute Man that interrupted the fight. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Bob and I found a place to there in Oakland, uh, Ricky's on Hyperion, where we went, uh, you could pay to go in. And uh, this was when sports bars were still kind of new. They hadn't hit Las Cruces yet. And so Bob and I thought this was great. They had the waitresses dressed in referee shirts, bringing you plates and nachos. They had millions of monitors all around with different fights on. And then, of course, when the event came on, Bob and I just wanted to see the fight. We really didn't have a rooting favorite in between Riddick Bow or Evander Holyfield. And although uh, it was a con, you know congenial crowd, I said I noticed that Bob and I were one of the uh, two of the few Anglo's in the group. There was no trouble, but I said to Bob, "We we probably don't want to root too much for one guy or the other, just to make sure that we." Didn't have any problems with the fight. We followed that p- pattern and went home uh, safe and sound and enjoyed a good fight and discovered what a uh, sports bar was really like. Bob was uh, a lot of fun to work with, and he was, uh, well, he always seemed to get into little scrapes. Uh, I, I can't say that I'm uh, uh, innocent of that, but, uh, for example, Bob uh, is, is a big guy for hunting, and he would always carry a switchblade knife around usually packed uh, in his, uh, for, he, he felt he needed to have that for whatever reason. And it was usually, you know, packed in his, his luggage. Well, this one time, we, we were coming back from San Jose, uh, dropping off the rental car. I tell Bob, go up, you know, check in. I'll drop off the car, and I'll be up there in a few minutes. I drop off the rental car. I go up to the security area. This is when you had to put your, this is, at this time, you still had to put your luggage through, you know, to be x-rayed. Uh, so there were some security measures in place. I go up there, and as I'm putting the stuff, I see Bob standing next to the TSA agents with this incredibly guilty look on his face, like the little kid who got caught skipping school. 
and my my inner sense said not to ask about this. Bob said, uh, I'll, I'll try to make it to the plane, uh, don't worry, which didn't really put my mind at ease. Anyway, my stuff went through the... Um, my stuff went through the uh, the X-ray, and I said to one of the the the, uh, the guards, I said, "What's going on with my friend?" The guy said, "Well, he has to talk to some people." Well, uh, t- to get to the point, uh, I, I had I was doing a TV show uh, that night on Sunday nights. It was called "Call the Coach," where people would call up and ask Coach Jim Hess questions. It was on uh, KZIA TV, licensed in Las Cruces. It's now a Spanish language station, but. At that point, there was a local uh, programming for the City of the Crosses. So I couldn't really stay and wait for Bob. At least I didn't feel I could because I had this was the last flight that could make a connection. So I get on the plane. It's a Southwest plane. They're about ready to close the gate, and I hear these footsteps, clump, 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 coming down the, 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 uh, the gang, uh, you know, the, the gang plank, so to speak. And it's Bob getting there at the last minute. He had forgotten he'd left one of his switchblades in his carry-on. So they looked at that and, you know, didn't know what to think. Took Bob to the airport jail there in San Jose and talked to him. And then I guess after uh, talking to him for five or ten minutes, realized that Bob was just, well, just Bob and not really someone who was trying to cause trouble. So they kept the knife, let him get on the plane, and we did make it back to uh, to Las Cruces on time. And I was able to uh, was able to get to uh, that TV show that night. There has been some fun, obviously a lot of fun on the road. A couple times I've been able to go to concerts when we traveled. Uh, one time the Aggies were playing in Fullerton. Uh, this was around Halloween, and it rained the entire weekend. Uh, but I had a chance to go up to the Universal uh, uh, Studios uh, theme park to see Clint Black and Dwight Yoakam perform. I was friends with uh, Dwight Yoakam's manager at the time, a guy named R.C. Bradley, Jr., I had met R.C. when I was managing a uh, country western station in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Anyway, R.C. got tickets for me and backstage passes. So Clint Black came on first and uh, did a great show. I went backstage. Uh, was went backstage to to go see my to go see R.C. And route, I bumped into two uh, young country music fans. Who I'll tell you, country music fans in Los Angeles get all duded up. They like like you'd see on a dude ranch. It's not the way people uh, dress here. Uh, when they go to a country show, really. Uh, people here t- tend to dress the way they do every day, I think, when they go to shows. But anyway, so these young women, they were all dolled up, and I said, you know, I think there's some passes to go backstage. Well, they immediately, uh, you know, ponied up to me and said, well, we'd like to go backstage too. Well, who can say no? And uh, I talked to R.C., and he said, yeah, bring them back. So uh, performers don't usually mind having good-looking women backstage. And this was an example of that. So I went backstage and saw R.C. and talked a bit to Dwight. And uh, these women were just in hog heaven. So then I went back, watched the show. And uh, I've seen Dwight Yoakam, I guess, five times now. He's, he's my favorite performer to see in person. One other football trip that had an unusual uh, occurrence uh, happened just a few years ago when the Aggies played in, uh, at the University of Florida. This was about four or five years ago. Preston Williams was working with me as the color analyst. Well, uh, we, we, get, we stay in Ocala. The game's in Gainesville, but we stay in Ocala, which is somewhere around there. And we decide we want to go out to dinner. Well, I like seafood. And uh, so we find Harry's Seafood uh, Restaurant down in the downtown Ocala. We get an Uber driver, get down there, and we, uh, you know, get a res- we, we don't get to have a reservation, but they, they take our name. They give us a little... Uh, electronic, uh, they'll text us, that's what it was. They'll text us, 
And then when the, the table's ready, we can, uh, you know, have our seafood meal. Well, um, the uh, there was a bar nearby. And of course, it was a football game on, so we went in to have a snort before for the game. We're standing, we go kind of towards, uh, away from the door at the end of the bar. That's where the TV is. And it was uh, SMU and uh, Baylor were playing. I remember that for some reason. So we're standing there talking, killing time, you know, shooting the breeze. And a fella who was a local, uh, at least he wasn't in our party, is sitting at the bar. He goes behind the bar, grabs a bottle of vodka, and starts chugging it. And I, I looked at this, and I wondered if I was, if my eyes were deceiving me. He puts it back, goes back behind the bar. No one says anything. Well, frankly, I thought the guy probably worked there, was the owner, or, or was a bartender, or just someone you know that that they knew. So he does it again. He, he pokes uh, Preston in, in, a, in a friendly way in the shoulder and says, "This one's for you, buddy." Chugs it again and then runs out. The actual bartender comes back and says, "What's you know what's going on?" And we kind of like, you know, we don't know. We're just we're here from New Mexico, so shakes her head and runs off. Well, <laughs> believe me, this was not the only. This was just the beginning of bizarre events in Ocala. We uh, get the text. Time for our our uh, tables ready. We go sit down. It's uh, Preston, me, uh, Vinny, who was from Aggie Vision, and Gino, our engineer, uh, Gino Aragon, our engineer on the road for football. So we get the table. We kind of tell the waitress about that story, and she goes, "Oh, that that bar. It was called Hogan's Alley. That bar was uh, used to be a place back in Prohibition where they would dump dead bodies. So that was kind of that kind of helped spur our appetite there at uh, at Harry's Seafood Palace. So after hearing about how we just uh, were drinking and and saw a wild event at a place where they used to store dead bodies, we settled down for a nice meal. Meal's done. Everyone had a good time. Meal was great, actually. Get another Uber driver to take us back. Well, this Uber driver comes, and she is uh, has relocated to Florida from Maine. And we were remarking, uh, I was remarking, that I'd never met anyone from Maine before. I don't usually get down to New Mexico. Well, yeah, Maine this and Maine that and how cold it is and blah, blah, blah. Well, this woman, uh, Preston, the fellow who worked with me, I should say, if you don't know Preston, he's black. And Gino's Hispanic. Vinny's an Anglo like me. So uh, this woman is talking about the differences between Florida and and um, uh, uh, Maine. And these are her words exactly. I'm going to quote verbatim. I, she says, I had never seen a black person before, but they're everywhere down here with that kind of an inflection, which didn't really set very well with Preston. And so I'm frantically trying to think of uh, something to change the top, topic to before he tries to strangle her. Well, uh, fortunately, uh, the topic changed when, as we were stopped at a streetlight, a stoplight, Three police cars come screaming up from all directions right toward us. The, co- the cop cars stop. The cops jump out, guns drawn, running right, right toward us. And I thought, I didn't think, it occurred to me that maybe um, racism had suddenly become against the law in Florida. It, it, it really isn't. Uh, but they were running after a guy who was standing next to us on the street. And, you know, all of our thoughts were, let's get out of here. We're screaming, go, go, at the driver. Uh, fortunately, the guy on the street drops to his knees, you know, and surrenders as the cops come up to him. We don't know what he wanted. We didn't want to. We didn't want to know. Nonetheless, we get back, and it was uh, well, it was a night where something weird was going to happen, no matter what. I uh, probably should conclude this about travel with a, a bit of a word about my little uh, travel. Uh, I don't say mishap. My little extended stay following our last football game this year. Uh, I was suffering from a dehydration and exhaustion, and some of you may have seen this, or maybe many of you have seen this, but 
Uh, I'd been working pretty hard all through November. We had football and basketball, and I'd, the Aggie basketball team had played in the Cayman Islands, and uh, that, that's a, it's just a lot of travel. I get up to Lynchburg, and it turns out that I am dehydrated. It comes time, uh, I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, the game, the football game is done, and we're ready to come back home. I'm very eager to get back home. I had been gone for a week, wanted to see my dogs, wanted to be back in Las Cruces, wanted to get some Mexican food, just wanted to be back home. Well, the plane uh, won't turn over, so we have to wait uh, for another plane to come from Cincinnati. should be about three hours. Well, I had a little iPad, and I'm ready to watch some uh, some TV uh, there on the iPad. We're waiting in the Liberty University uh, practice facility. So uh, we're waiting there. I'm watching a Star Trek episode or something. Uh, the one, uh, Charlie X, where a teenager comes on the Starship Enterprise, but things are not as they appear. Anyway, I never really got to the end of that as I started feeling lightheaded. Next thing I know, Corey Lucas, my color man, is waking me up saying, Jack, are you okay? I'd fallen over on my side. Well, uh, I had blacked out momentarily. The trainers come over. They wanted they try to help me out. You know, I, I say, I'm really okay because I want to go home. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be stuck there. And they get me, you know, kind of propped up and uh, they say, well, we're going to call the EMTs. And it's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Because you can't t- talk them out of anything. After the EMTs are called, it's like, ugh. Then the real medical people come. Well, my blood pressure's low, and they're saying, you know, we, we want you. We really think you should stay. My physician, uh, Dr. Baker, was on the trip. He's saying, no, you really, we really think it'd be good if you stayed. Uh, I know you want to go home, and I did want to go home. And I fell for the, the trap that they always give you, is that if you, we take you in and you're okay, then you can go home. This happened 20 years ago when I blacked out after an Aggie game uh, here in town, again from stress, uh, working too hard. At that time, I had really bad heart health 20 years ago. Well, uh, I fell for that, too. They said, look, we'll take you, we can't make you go to the hospital, but if you do and you're okay, you can go home. Well, I wasn't okay 20 years ago. I still felt I was okay this time, but I, I felt I'll just play along with them and give them a, let them check me at the hospital, then I'll be home. Well, that didn't happen. So my blood pressure stayed low. I stayed over, and they thought I had a heart problem. Well, they put a heart monitor on me. I, I stay overnight, and the and hospitals have beds that were made for Korean orphans, I think, uh, because I was totally uncomfortable. I couldn't sleep. It was very noisy. They had a they had a uh, a thing giving me an IV because I was dehydrated. It was noisy. So I'm t- flipping and flopping around in this bed, trying to get comfortable. Sunday morning comes, and I'm unhappy. I'm sad. I'm tired. I'm upset. I want to go home. You know, I've been gone a long time now. Now I'm now I'm I feel stuck in this hospital. Well, uh, they come in and they say, "Look, uh, we think your heart stopped." They're, they they show me this readout on this tape from the heart monitor that we we need you. We do all these tests. We got to keep you here for all these tests, which made me even more unhappy. If if you've ever been to the hospital, then you probably know this. For anything like this, you have to tell the same story about two hundred times to different people. So I've told the story over and over again to a de- bunch of different people. Then the emergency room doctor comes down. I had to talk to him, Dr. Dice. Didn't really think much about it. So I'm telling him the story, and I look up, and I see his, his name tag is Dr. Andrew Dice. So I paused, and I said, you're Dr. Andrew Dice? He's grinning. He goes, yeah, nods his head, yeah. I said, like the comedian, Andrew Dice Clay. If you don't know who that is, well, you'll have to look that up. I said, like the comedian, Dice Clay? Again, yes. And I go, oh, the Dice Man. Hickory dickory dock. Oh, just part of his act. If this is, uh, sounds strange to you, at least that perked me up. 
Anyway, uh, to, to get to the bottom, they did a bunch of tests, and then they, they brought in on Monday. This is Monday now, two days after the team is gone. They bring in the expert to read the, uh, the heart monitor tapes, and his analysis is that the wires came loose. So I spent two days in the Lynchburg Hospital because their wi- the wires came loose. Needless to say, I was annoyed but happy and relieved to get out of there. And a lot of people uh, read about this, so I, I sat out a few games because I needed to rest. I didn't want to do that, but frankly, it's what I needed to do, and so I accepted that. That's just kind of a tip of the iceberg to some of the nutty things that have happened while the Aggies travel, and I hope it provided you with some smiles.